Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. In Hebrews 11, skip down to verse 13. All these, including Sarah and the other patriarchs, died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, verse 16, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to, call, to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. God has prepared a place for you. And the good news is that your faith journey, in many ways, just begins when you pass from this life, if you're living for that which will really last. Abraham was. And so when he buried Sarah, go back to Genesis 23, he buried her with an eye on eternity. He knew in his soul he would see her again. And every one of us who have lost loved ones and buried them, buried other Christians uh, in the faith, there's going to be a great reunion day coming, brethren. Do you believe it? There was a lady who, a pastor went and visited her and she, uh, she had planned her whole service. She knew she was dying, and, and uh, she went over the music and all the stuff with the pastor, and she, she, he was getting ready to leave, and she just said, oh, one more thing, pastor. I want to be buried with a fork. And he was like, what? She goes, oh, yes, I love the church potlucks, pastor, and what I love the most is the desserts at the end when we get to partake with the desserts. And he goes, well, what's the meaning of the fork? And she goes, the fork means the best is yet to come. How many of you love dessert? I believe there's going to be dessert in heaven. I am clinging to that hope. I believe it will not add one ounce of fat to my body. Can I get a witness? Yeah. <laughs> then Abraham, Genesis 23, 3, rose before or beside his dead wife. And he spoke to the sons of Heth or the Hittites in the NIV saying, I'm a stranger and a sojourner among you. Genesis 23, 4. Give, NIV says, sell me a burial site among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Now, I don't think that Abraham's saying, I don't want to look at a grave. I think he's saying, I want to honor my wife's body. So I need a place to bury my wife. Get this, the man who was told, walk, go on, walk about everywhere you step, the land is yours. He didn't actually own any land except a burial site. You see, he was living for future generations. He was planting a foundation that future generations would realize. And, you know, some people say, well, maybe he owned places where he built altars. I'm not sure. But what we know for sure is that probably all that he owned was the burial site that he had to purchase for his wife. He owned the land. He was supposed to have it all, but it wasn't realized yet. And you need to understand this because this is what the Bible teaches. You and I have the promises. Death has been defeated. We just haven't realized it yet. 
Evil has been defeated. It just hasn't been fully realized yet. Principalities and powers have been vanquished at the cross. We just haven't fully realized it yet. But one day we will realize it and we will stand with the great patriarchs and we will celebrate what Christ did at the cross. It's coming. You can take it to the bank. Jesus said, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. Essence of his comments, if there was not of heaven, I would have told you. But I go and prepare a place for you. Heaven is real because Jesus said it is real. And it's impossible for God to what? To lie. It's real. I, I love the old movie, Field of Dreams. How many of you like that movie? All right. How many, you guys need to watch some of these good movies. I, I mentioned Lord of the Rings, and some people are going, no, no. You, you got to repent. And <laughs> These are good movies. Anyway, not good theology in Field of Dreams. Well, we all acknowledge that. People coming out of the cornfield is certainly not uh, biblical. But anyway... But there's a great scene where the ball player, the, the star in the movie, says, this is, is this heaven? And the response by Kevin Costner is, no, it's Iowa. <laughs> and then Kevin Costner says, is there a heaven? And the response is, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, heaven is the place where we realize those dreams and those hopes but now Abraham has to live in the light of that promise. And that's what he's doing, and that's what we do. And so he had to rise before his dead wife, and he spoke to the people of the land. He said, I'm a stranger, I'm a sojourner. I need a burial site. You know, when we deal with death, um, few people are prepared to deal with the implications of somebody dying. And uh, this is a part of ministry that just happens, so we have to walk people through what to do, and people are numb, and they don't know what to do. And they have to, there's expenses, there's costs, there's decisions to be made, and Abraham's now that guy. Uh, some scholars believe from the language in the early verses that he may not have been there when she died. She may have died suddenly. It may not have been a long illness where she was on a deathbed. He may have been gone, come back to her being dead. And now I had to deal with that reality. And many of you have walked through that. And it's not easy. And it's good to have people by your side. And so the sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, verse 6, Hear us, my Lord. You are a mighty prince among us, literally a prince of God. Bury your dead in the choicest of our graves. None of us will refuse you his grave for burying your dead. So Abraham rose and bowed to the people of the land, the sons of Heth, or the Hittites. Now Abraham's bowing initiated a custom where there was a negotiation about to occur. Abraham bowed to no one in the Bible except the Lord and the angels in an earlier chapter. There's no record of him bowing anywhere, but he bows here in the land of Canaan as a sense of negotiation. And this, this was kind of a way of saying, we're about to negotiate. And so he bowed, and they started to discuss the price of a site or that he would have a burial site. Um, anywhere Abraham lived, uh, that we know of, and he had a well in different places and stuff. It's, it would appear that he leased or rented land, but he did not want to rent a burial site. And so he began to negotiate, and he bowed down 
to the people, the sons of Heth. And he spoke with them saying, if you wish for me to bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and approach Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me. He had a sight in mind that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns, which is at the end of his field for the, notice, full price. Let him give it to me in your presence for a burial site. So Abraham was asking for the site, but he wasn't asking for it for free. In fact, he didn't even want to haggle about it. He just asked for the location. Proverbs 20, verse 14 says, it's no good, it's no good, says the buyer. Then he goes off and boasts about his purchase, close quote. (laughs) How many of you are good hagglers? Haggling can be pretty fun. You go to a, a car dealership. Isn't it a bummer when this happens? You go, you just want to buy a car, right? You say, all right, I'll buy the car for this amount of money. I know I've done my homework. And then what's the famous line from the salesperson? Okay, hold on. I got, brother, I got I to gotta talk to my manager about this one. And off he goes into some secret location. You have no idea where he is. I think he's just somewhere drinking coffee doing a crossword puzzle. (laughs) And then he comes back to you. And you got to write stuff down on paper. And it's just this game, right? Well, in the ancient world, and especially in the Middle Eastern culture, they love to haggle. Uh, I was in Jerusalem with a buddy of mine, the same buddy that was in my office, talking about my photograph. And we're in a taxi cab going through the streets of Jerusalem. And my buddy, he can talk very well. And so he was talking to the taxi driver. And everywhere you go in Jerusalem, people want to bring you in to their shops to sell you their little trinkets. And a lot of them have tea shops and places where you can buy these trinkets. And so we're, we're the two in the backseat of the taxi. And, we're, and this guy is racing around the streets of Jerusalem. And it's a little crazy. And they're having a conversation. And the guy driving the taxi kept looking back. Oh, you would love the thing. And my, oh, the shop is beautiful. And, and they kept talking back and forth. And this guy is not watching the road. Pastor Michael's prayer life improved in Jerusalem. And I said, shut up. Do not speak to him anymore. (laughs) Oh, it's a wonderful shot. This guy is, I thought I was going to die in a taxi in Jerusalem. Anyway, (laughs) it's no good. (laughs) Now, Ephron was sitting among the sons of Heth, verse 10. And Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the sons of Heth, even all who went in at the gate of his city. So they did a lot of these negotiations at the gate, and he's sitting there. It's a somewhat uh, formal setting for transacting business and verifying and even ratifying business. And he says, verse 11, no, my Lord, hear me. I give you the field. I, notice the, the I give you. I give you the cave that is in it in the presence of the sons of my people. I give it to you. Bury your dead. And Abraham bowed before the people of the land. Ephron had no intention of giving the land away. This is, this is called negotiation here. Oh, sure, you can have it. <laughs> but look, he's going to charge him full price. And I was reading one commentary, and he said he charged him an exorbitant price for this field. This is just talk. Have you ever been in a conversation like this before? You know, there's, there's pleasant, pleasantries being exchanged, but it's not real. The words are hollow. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'll give you you a great price on this. But the intentions are not really that way. So with the bow, I think there's an expectation that there's going to be a counteroffer. So he bowed before the land of the people. And, you know, many people can extort you with a smile. You have to be careful with people. Good salesmen are are very good. They are called silver-tongued for a reason. 
They can sell you anything. But Abraham is a good example of a man doing business with honor nonetheless. And he, he's going with the, you know, the way they do it. And he spoke to Ephron 13 in the hearing of the people of the land saying, if you will only please listen to me, I will give the price of the field, accept it from me that I may bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham saying to him, my Lord, listen to me. <laughs> How many of you have been in conversations like this? Would you listen to me? You listen to me. Can you listen to me? Yeah, if you'd listen to me, I'd listen to you. All right, which one's going to listen first? Let every one of us be slow to speak. We should be quick to listen, slow to anger. But we are often, yeah, who, who made that noise? That's the sound, right? We should be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to what? Anger. Think about those words. James 1, I think it's verse 19, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. That's the principle, QSS, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I'm so glad you remembered that. <laughs> but wouldn't it be good if we remembered that in dialogue with people? Quick to, wait, how does it go again? Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Hmm. Well, we're all going to be working on that one for the rest of our lives. Because usually what we're quick to do is not to hear people. We want to say what we want to say. We all got to work on being good listeners. Because if you don't hear what somebody's saying, if you're already forming your response in your head, okay, as soon as they'll be quiet, here's what I'm, I'm going to come in right here, right here. <laughs> that one. You have no idea what they said. But your response was good. <laughs> Listen to me, 15. This reminds me of an Italian conversation. You listen, you listen to me, right? At the, at the uh, table growing up, you had to learn in an Italian meal setting just to speak louder than the other people, or you never heard. Right? So if someone says, pass the sauce, pass the pasta, you're going to pass the sauce. <laughs> it's the only way you're going to be heard. Anyway, a piece of land worth 400 shekels, 15, of silver. What is that between me and you? <laughs> Don't you love this? Hey, you and me, Abraham. You and me together, we can, we can negotiate. Hey, what is the, hey, it's no problem. 400 shekels. Go ahead and bury your dead. Abraham listened, 16, to Ephron. Abraham weighed out the, for Ephron the silver, uh, which was done in weight. Coins were not invented until a couple centuries later, which he named in the hearing of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, commercial standard. This is about six and one quarter pounds. And he weighed it out. So Ephron's field, which it was in Machpelah, 17, which faced Mamre, the field and cave, which was in it, all the trees, which were in the field that were within all the confines of its border were notice deeded over to Abraham for a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before he, before all who went in at the gate of the city. The way this goes is that Abraham originally asked just for the cave, but he got the field thrown in 
Through the negotiation, he didn't want the field, but the guy sold him the field anyway, and I'm sure that some of you caught that. So he ends up with not just the the cave, but the field. And in ancient times, this is what they did. They would bury their dead in the cave. We get a lot of questions about people who are asking about you know how do I how do I deal with cremation and you know the the cost of, of burying people and all of this stuff and I try to respond to people by just saying look I would this is a matter of conscience it's not a matter of salvation uh, if someone is cremated God has no problem raising them back bodies decompose people get eaten by sharks they die in wars it's not a problem for God but in the Bible. When the dead are dealt with in these contexts, burial seems to to be the normal mode of dealing with the body. There's an honoring of the body. There's a careful treatment, especially of the bones. And this anticipates in in both Jewish uh, mindsets and, of course, in the New Testament of anticipating resurrection. I'm not going to answer the question for you, but I'm just going to say I think it's worthy of a study of the Bible just to make sure that your conscience has dealt with the question. And so Abraham, he has now the field in the cave. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, 19, in the cave of the field at Machpelah, facing Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. That's the promised land. This promised land, of course, would... They would realize some of it in the time of Joshua. Then they would give it away. They would lose it under uh, Assyria in the north, Babylon in the south, and eventually Rome would destroy Jerusalem. And unfortunately, the Israelites have never fully realized the promise, and they won't do that until Christ comes again. So the field, final, final verse, and the cave that is in it were deeded over to Abraham for a burial site by the sons of Heth and into the cave or the hewn out rock went Sarah. Final thoughts. Will she come out again? Well, here's the thing. Do you know that 2,000 years later, another man was put into a cave setting? In fact, when you think about it, Jesus was born in a cave and then placed in a cave when he died. If you, if you get the chance to go to the garden tomb, and we don't know for sure if it's the actual site of the tomb of Jesus, though there are scholars that do argue for it, or uh, archaeologists and historians that argue for it, it's really interesting because the tomb is actually hewn out of the rock. There's, there's a rocky area, it's a little hillside, and you get to walk into what's called the garden tomb. And it's this, this area, and, and if it truly is the tomb of Jesus, and we don't know if it is or isn't, but it's, it, it, it's an interesting moment when you get to go in there. And you get to just think about what happened in that place, because he didn't stay there. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it again. And he spoke of the temple of his body, and a great light shone, and the angel came down and sat upon the rock, and Jesus was alive. And he said, because I live, you will live also. In fact, when the curtain was torn from top to bottom, when Jesus breathed his last, there are people who came out of the tombs and appeared to many. It's an intriguing verse in Matthew 27. It's an anticipation of resurrection. And when the Lord comes, the dead in Christ will rise first. 
Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds to meet them in the air, and we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, what's the Bible say? Comfort one another with these words. The rolling of the stone against the tomb is not the end of the story. And when Abraham walked away that day, he knew that she would rise. This is the beautiful promise that we have in Jesus Christ. I leave you with Philippians 3, 20 and 21. It says, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to these words. Who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Father, thank you that Jesus came to deal with the fact that we die. Thank you that you entered into our pain. Thank you that you were born really to die for the sins of the world. In all likelihood, you got 33 years on this planet, but you came to bear witness to the truth and you came to offer yourself to save us from death being the end of the story. Because you live, we will live. Because you rose, we are going to rise. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know at the end he will take his stand. And in my, even though my skin is destroyed, in my flesh, Job says, I will see God. I know, I don't have to guess, I know my Redeemer lives. I know he's alive. And you ever live to make intercession for your people, Lord. You're not only alive, you're on our side. You're for us, not against us. You're interceding for your people. You blaze the trail in your blood. You defeated death by your triumphant resurrection, and you're coming again for your bride. What can we say to such things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Sarah, Abraham, they saw the promises from a distance. They died, but they died in faith. Lord, help us to live by faith. Help us to walk by faith. Help us to make the most of our time. Help us not to just stay stuck because we've made some mistakes or had some missteps. Let us move forward as Abraham and Sarah did in faith. Let us be true to our commitments and our covenants. Let us be people of joy and peace, people who honor the ancient paths. Lord, help us in this crazy age in which we live in in many disappointments and trials that we face. Let us be found faithful because you are faithful. And when we can't, when we, we feel like we can't even take another step, when we feel like we don't even have the strength to go on one more day, let faith lead the way. You're the author and perfecter of faith. Bless your people. Strengthen their faith even now. I pray that you'd pour fresh faith into us, Lord. Renew our faith, strengthen our faith. Use us to lead other people to that promised land in Christ. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, listening family, it is summertime and that means Vacation Bible School VBS is coming to Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in the city of Corona. The dates are July 10th through the 14th and registration has begun for children kindergarten through sixth grade at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. The theme for this year's VBS or Vacation Bible School 
is Maker Fun Factory, created by God and built for a purpose. And there your kids will experience the fact that God is their creator, and he especially gifted them for a good purpose. That is July 10th through the 14th, Vacation Bible School, here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. Sign up your kids today at livingtruthcorona.org. You can find out all the information you need there. Get your kids registered, and we look forward to seeing you there. God bless you. Hey, listening family, did you know that we have another show? It's called The Bible Answer Show. It's on Facebook Live. Right now we're doing it on Fridays at noon. That's noon Pacific time. And the format is this. We do an hour on Friday afternoons, and we are doing questions and answers live on Facebook. And you can ask your questions by going to Facebook, search The Bible Answer Show, make sure you like it and share it. And in the comment section, you can ask any question during that time or even in the week before or after. And we'll take your question and answer it live at the Bible Answer Show on Facebook. We have a panel of pastors, professors, and others who join us. And we take your question, whatever question you might have about the Bible, cults, the occult, world religions, a practical question about how to apply a Bible verse, question that came up in Bible study, whatever it may be. And we deal with those questions live on the air. By the way, past broadcasts of the Bible Answer Show are also available on our Facebook page at the Bible Answer Show. So check it out. We'd love for you to join us live or go back and check it out. You'll get some answers to your questions. Tell a friend about it, like it and share it. And we'll catch up to you on the Bible Answer Show. Catch you on Friday. God bless you. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Michael Lance and I want to invite you out for a special night of worship. It's going to be Sunday, June 25th at 7 o'clock at Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Shane Lance. Your love is great And your dream is still my fault Let there be light You and your love is a fire that brightly burns Consumes my doubt, my fears and Doors open up at 6.30. It's going to be $5 at the door. And it's going to benefit one of our missionaries who is heading off to Africa. So that's Sunday night, June the 25th, a night of worship with Shane Lance. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. And you can get information and directions at livingtruthradio.org. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.